0: Welcome to another episode of The Greatest Pod, where we discuss and debate what makes something great. I'm Ron
1: Swallow. I'm Ed Greer. And I'm producer Bill. And today, we have an episode that is, uh, oh, I've been wanting to do this for a while, but we are talking about greatest street-level superheroes.
2: The Ed Greer apotheosis, (laughs) street-level superheroes episode of The Greatest Pod. Uh, This
1: episode is about to bring me to completion.
0: (laughs) Well, it's going to be fun because it's going to be an interesting thing to decide who are street level and who's not like, you know, is it power level or is it just the fact that sure you have a high power level, but you operate in your town to help out the people like what is what you know, that's why I think that's an interesting it's an interesting thing because yes, of course, we're going to have your daredevils, your punishers, your Batman, but there, who else enters into into the fray as we mm. like to
1: stuff? And also, why does Batman count anymore? Honestly, mm.
2: that's a great point.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, he does handle world-ending problems on a on a frequent basis.
2: I would I mean, say that yeah. the Batman scene in the movie The Batman is a street level hero, but the Batman scene in the movie Justice League for example is not. You know, it's right. like every time they put him in the milieu where he's bat god or he's super competent, you know, smartest man on earth level, he ceases to become a street level hero. Yes. Uh and you know what's like okay, just to
1: throw a weird curveball in here cuz I maybe um I don't want to table the Batman discussion, but there's also other people like uh, Shang-Chi that have recently gone above street level. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, there, there's, it's kind of this weird power creep that we've talked about on this podcast before, where it's just like, it's not satisfactory to be this level anymore. But the writers will find some way to make Shang-Chi grow to a thousand feet tall, or now that he has the Mandarin rings, I think, both in the comic continuity and in the movies, I think some kind of shit like that he's in in the comics i know that he's like got severe weaponry now that could fuck dudes up for living like knock a hole in the
2: the shield helicarrier and he does fight magical dragons and shit you know what i mean so i think right there is the interesting question if you are magic powered can you still be street level like maybe that's a, a a big categorization problem
0: Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: You know, obviously we can't, you know, Thor is
0: not and Superman and et cetera, et cetera. They're world solving problems.
2: Is Zatanna street level? See, I think that's a good, uh, that's a good use case though, because you're tempted to say yes, but then you realize the way she's usually written. Number one, she's international. She bounces all over the world. Number yeah. two, in some way or another, she's consorting with all of these extra dimensional entities I think it's just really hard as a writer to play with magic, but still keep it to like, I'm slightly above a regular human and I'm patrolling like my neighborhood or my city because my purview, it would be untenable to extend my purview beyond that, you know, boundary. I think magic almost erases that completely unless we can come up with, you know, some version of a counter-argument
1: well it's like it's like magic and money transcend that because like okay mm-hmm. danny rand could take a, f- a fucking iron fist that is could take a fucking private jet to where you are and then power up a magic fist and beat your ass mm-hmm. you know what i mean it's like okay well what street level about that but i consider him and i don't want to have the de- the debate about why iron fist sucks kung fu crackers are from the past yes. they still remain it's fine. Daredevil's the best of the Kung Fu Crackers. We'll talk about him in our headliner segment. But I'm just saying, when I was a kid, when I back in my day, him and Luke Cage were superheroes, and they were definitely street level. Yeah. They were getting pocketbooks full of money to solve ghetto crimes, and then, and sometimes they would run into somebody way more powerful than them that had actual superpowers, and they would have a nice tête-à-tête or whatever. But like, they weren't. They weren't changing more than a city. Um, they weren't saving the world unless you want to count the times that they fought the dudes from Kunlun who were trying to come here to take over the world or some shit like that. Or when they went to Kunlun to participate in battle tournaments or something. But for the most part, they had a desk. They had a door. You could come in, talk to them. And, expensive they for hire. Pro-
2: and they had money problems. Yes. I mean, I think, I think the money problems becomes a big issue. You know, Spider-Man kind of codified that into the superhero archetype. But if you're somebody that is more, not more, but is as concerned with paying rent as you are with saving the world, I think that counts a lot toward your street-level bona fides.
1: Which is why restoring the Rand fortune was dumb as fuck. If I Mm. used to be rich, but I went to Kung Fu land and got turned out to the point where I don't even like money no more, that's dope. That's yeah. like truly throwing your privilege away and actually earning it in the streets with the with the ghetto people and your best buddies. This this uh, this, this super powered prisoner. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like that's uh, if, if that's not rejected privilege, I don't know what is. They never really play that angle. They love to try to make him a low budget Iron Fist Batman these days. Ever since I think probably the 90s with Burn uh, when when he made Namor rich. Mm. I think after that they have been like, well, every character that could be rich, let's just make him rich. Because Byrne made Namor go to the bottom of the ocean, pull up all the fucking all the treasures and the sunken. What? He probably sold sold the museum some slave bones too. I mean, you're you're down there digging up artifacts. Yeah. <laughs> Why don't you fuck? You know what I'm saying? What the fuck are you doing, Namor? And he just cashed it in and made himself a billionaire overnight. But just dragging sunken galleons out of the sea and cashing them in. What? What do you go to pawn stars anyway? It's, it's like it's like there is this predilection. I'm just saying to make comic book characters rich because for some reason. I don't know. Why do you think that is? I'm going to ask you guys that question. Why uh, is there this thing? I
0: I think it's a realistic look at what you might do if you had superpowers. Uh, The joke about I make about Superman where I'm like, yeah, he wakes up every day and decides to be good. What would you do? And I'm like, I don't know about you, but I don't want a lot more shit. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And my whole point being like, I mean, I don't know if I would do that. I sure love to believe that I would be like the guy that helps the people and does the best he can for them but also i sure would love to not worry about rent
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know yeah but the thing is though namor actually made himself rich yeah almost all the rest of them they inherit it and there's this propensity for us to think that billionaires would help the people in the streets which is insane like we know that that's not we know there's
0: only one billionaire who's sort of helping people And And uh, it's Elon Musk. Yes,
1: of
0: course. (laughs) Restoring free speech, finally. Oh, my God. God we have a savior. The likes of – no, anyway. I I mean, Um. seriously, it's so great that people can say the N-word on Twitter now. It's just wonderful. (laughs) It's delicious. So good. Viva
2: la difference. You know what's interesting about that observation, Ed, is I think the intention – is very different than lionizing billionaires. I think it's a lot simpler from a writer's standpoint. It's literally just, I need a storytelling shortcut. Mm-hmm. Where does he get those wonderful toys? How can he get from A to B? How can he, you know, maintain his secrets if he needs medical attention and vehicles and all this stuff that you would normally rely on other people for? Well, yeah, he's rich. Don't worry. It's like a hand wave. Don't worry about yeah. it. He's rich. Yeah.
1: yeah, it is, it is expedient. I'm just wondering how the trope lasted so long once we got to more complicated storytelling. You know well, what I mean? because also
0: people love to pretend they're rich. Like, you have a bunch of different people who, <laughs> read, who read different things for different reasons, right? You, like, um, I remember there's a fantasy book guy that I used to love to read, but his main character is almost never in trouble. He's just so badass all of the time, and you'd think that that would be annoying um, And it is now that I've learned that that's probably not good writing, but then also I enjoyed it because it was like, there's a part of me that's like, I love, I want to have no problems and be a badass all the time, mm-hmm. uh, especially when I was younger. So I, I feel like that's a trope for those people who, uh, when they read comics or they're not reading it for the stories per se,
2: they're reading it for the, the wish fulfillment. There's also an interesting historical element where wealth disparity has always been a big issue in the United States. But billionaires as like a class of people didn't exist until around the year 2000. And then we started seeing like this profligacy of billionaires, especially in the US, but all over the world. And as income inequality has grown over like the past 20 years, so has sort of the mainstream moral outrage about the existence of billionaires. And I just think that like, while there's always been a class resentment in us history, it only went mainstream, like within this generation. And Mm. so if you're looking at comics as a whole, relative to their entire life cycle, like public animosity toward the ultra rich has never been as pronounced as it is like right now in this moment in time yeah
1: uh, yeah i i would uh i would totally respect that assessment and i uh, also think that in this moment in time they make daredevil become the head of the hand and it's just like
2: uh, what the fuck <laughs> what no, the fuck sure. <laughs> well, like, sure. i mean there's a lot of again i think it's i think it's just people as writers i would like to think they're more concerned about just coming up with crazy scenarios and either giving them money is a nice shakeup to the status quo or using money is a way to justify the shakeup to the status quo. Mm. And they're not thinking about it deeper, but it would be great if they thought about it a little bit deeper.
0: Well, I mean the worst Spider-Man is rich Spider-Man.
1: Oh
2: Generally.
0: boy. Sure. It's, it's Oof. the worst Spider-Man that every run where he's has a whole bunch of money. You're like, this is, This is not fun.
2: (laughs) It's even interesting uh, how that wealth creep, though, infects uh, even non-street level heroes. Because you look at like the Fantastic Four, and the Fantastic Four have always been portrayed as like having means, right? How else was Reed Richards going to, you know, invent his portals into the negative zone? (laughs) But again, like as time goes on, suddenly it becomes like, oh, Reed Richards is one of the richest men on the planet and he has these foundations and companies all over the world and he's essentially like an ultra capitalist right and it's like that was never reed richard's bag like when did that happen he was obsessed Uh, with science right
1: i do remember part of the uh, reading the back issues of the burn run and somebody there was this throwaway line in one of them it was just like yeah i just patented all of my super dope shit that i and i'm just like what uh, your time machine like what what the fuck did you patent that you can sell to consumers like and then you think about like well how much of the new velcro or whatever hey the new sop and spill it's a shamwell made of unstable molecules right. and it soaks up all the shit you know what i mean like and that's where you got money
2: it's an interesting uh just anecdotal example of john byrne being a richanizer
1: you know. <laughs> <laughs> to coin a phrase Bill a <laughs> no, it
2: also kind that. of lines up with his politics so I don't know if we want to dig it a little deeper into <laughs> that, but, you know, you know.
1: well I mean and we talk about wealth creep let's talk about uh, okay well let's, 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 uh, let's segment him up into rich guys then let's like bang out hmm. the rich guys real quick you know what's interesting they fucked around and made our boy Moon Knight rich and yeah. I mean it was yep. crazy I mean and, and he started out as rich I should say and then they kind of play with where his money goes, blah, blah. But, like, I don't even get how – I mean, and I, I think it was kind of interesting at least how – maybe I'm kayfabing up in my own head. But it seems like he made some ill-gotten gains being a mercenary. Like, what what are you going to do with a bunch of gold bars or whatever? You know what I mean? Like, that you stole from some fucking African country well, you I'll were raiding. I'll tell you
0: raiding. what you do. You put them into Bitcoin.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we're not. We're not talking about how he lost his fortune. Oh, oh, Moon Knight okay, is
2: okay. not rich anymore. Then no, okay. <laughs> this podcast is min- now minting swallow coins. That's right, so swallow <laughs> coins. If invest. you want to
0: join, uh, if you want to get into the swallow coins, you just go to patreon.com/slash/the greatest pod. Join our swallow coin uh, cult. Uh-huh. Uh-huh.
1: <laughs> so Moon Knight is a rich guy. I never yep. really got him being uh, like a weird psycho. Was interesting to me, and and him kind of laundering his mercenary money through the Stephen Grant persona. Mm -hmm. I kind of put up with that, but I don't know, man. Him being rich, even I don't want to get off subject, but Nightwing's rich again now. Nightwing's stupid rich now. That's why.
2: Like Nightwing works so much better when you just understand that if he really needs anything, he can lean on Batman. Mm -hmm. But otherwise, like, he's more interested in being his own person. He doesn't care that much about money, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And it's an important plot point because he doesn't want to call Batman. There you go. He doesn't
0: want to call Batman. So he's he's trying to figure out how to do all that shit himself. And it's like, okay, I got to get this gadget. It's the only thing. And then we get a Batman team up for for, you know, a couple of books and. Everybody's happy for a second. And then, bru- uh, you know, then Nightwing is like, hey, get the f- fuck out of Bloodhaven, you dick. And, see,
2: y- you know, mentioning Moon Knight, Moon Knight is a great character that you could do something I've always wanted to see somebody do consistently with a street level hero, which is that he sort of has to rely on some sort of informal network of like confidants. Yes. And, and just sort of like, Ripping off the criminals that he kills or busts. Yeah. Right. So like, Moon style. Knight, to me, Moon Knight is a guy like, he'll camp out and live for like two months in some safe house for a mob where he like busted them down, you know, whatever, uh, two months ago whether they got arrested or he killed him or whatever, they've got this hidden safe house that he knows about and he's not going to expose it to the police because he can live there for a little while. And like until somebody shows up and he needs to fight his way out. And now he's got to go and, you know, meet with this old mechanic in this old rundown part of town because he's got a space above his garage that's secret and Moon Knight can live there for a little while if he needs to, but he doesn't want this guy to have to like support him. So he's not going to lean on him that heavy, like just stuff like that where number one, it really cements you into the neighborhood as a character because Mm -hmm. you got to know the back alleys. you got to know the people to talk to, the people that you can ask for favors. And then number two adds to the drama of, like, you're keeping up your quest for justice or vengeance or whatever it is while also, you know, living this very less than ideal life. Like Ed says all the time, like, if you're going home to be waited on by a butler and sleep in your $10,000 bed, like, it's very easy to go out and pick fights sometimes, but like it becomes a lot more impressive if it's like you get your ass beat and you've got to go like sleep on the floor of a gym with the guy who <laughs> taught you to box when you were eight years old,
0: you know, and, and happens to know how to sew up knife wounds. And so that's why you're there. I do like that. And also, here's my question. Does now that we've seen a uh, uh, Moon Knight fight, you know, giant gods and demon monsters in the TV show? Is he even street level anymore?
1: I mean, that was, to me, the greatest crime of that series. <laughs> Very well acted by Oscar Isaac. You know, yeah. I can't say much more than that without getting into being mean. But just the greatest sin, the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was making the fucking <laughs> conshu real. Like, yeah. it's it's got to be in his head. I know. Yeah. And, you know, if people haven't heard this lecture, I'm going to do it real quick in a 20 second version. The whole fucking point of Moon Knight was what Bill was talking about. Hard to, and and the thing is, they never really got to it. They got to it in a couple of like, uh, when they would let like a crime writer write Moon Knight, he would get scuzzy for a while. But everybody always wanted to go back to this, to the status quo of Stephen Grant being the rich guy and him, yes, slumming it as Jake Lockley and shit like that, but not, it wasn't a necessity. That's what made it cute. That a billionaire would, would turn into Jake Lockley, the slummy cab driver, and kick it in with a bunch of bums at a diner and learn criminal information that way. They thought it was cute, like a cute little diversion. But people who took it seriously, his, his mental health and the fact that why would he need to sleep for more than two or three hours a week in the manic state that you're in when the full moon is out and you feel like you're superpowered. You can rip Volkswagen doors off and you can glide on your cape and people shoot you and you don't even feel it. And when you're in that deep in the psychosis and the mania, he going home to your blonde wife and, and her, who's always in a bikini for some reason. It, <laughs> that sucks. <laughs> That's not cool. It doesn't make Moon Knight cool.
2: No, it does suck. And the fact that he is, he has the multiple personality disorder. He may also have like schizophrenia or some other type of psychosis on top of it. Definitely gets into those fits of mania, depending on the personality that comes to the fore. Like, that is the perfect guy to give a totally unstable secret identity existence. Like, mm-hmm. why would you give him? Well, anytime he needs to, he's got a really nice bed with a really nice lady and a really nice house that he could just chill on. Like, that's not I don't know. There's not to me. That's not a fun story. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, and it lowers it lowers the stakes
0: like there's yeah. like and you got to keep the stakes up, guys. That's important part of storytelling. Um, and I, okay, so getting this, these guys don't have as many stakes most of the time, but I also think they might be the most consistent street level heroes of all time. And, and that's the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh, Um, barring the few times they've done dimension hopping shit, but even in the dimension hopping shit, it's because someone's coming into New York to fuck up New York. It's not like, you You know, know, what's
2: really, you know, what's really interesting, Ron, I think of a piece with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and with that same caveat is my boy spawn oh yeah you know what i mean like i think it gets to a lot of things that we've been talking about both the turtles and spawn no money no prospects like by nature are sort of freaks that have to live on the fringes number two have access maybe to great power or other dimensions or whatever else but like Can't control it. Don't know how to use it. Don't really have aspirations of fixing the world or doing anything that heady. Like it always just comes down Mm. to like what's going on here in my neighborhood or just like leave me alone and let me live type stuff. That's a lot of of commonality. Yeah. And you would just want to make out with April
0: and – It's not going to happen because April's an adult and a human, but you still want to. (laughs) Uh And the hand is like going to kill her. So you got to stop the The foot. foot, Sorry, the foot is going to kill her. So you got to stop the foot. And, you know, so then you fight in New York because you got to eat pizza and the foot. They don't like pizza. I don't know if you know this. They're against pizza. Lactose intolerant,
2: so, largely. That's why I want to write
0: a whole Ninja Turtles where they're very the foot is just trying to shut down every pizza joint to annoy the Ninja Turtles. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, the dude, that's gluten
2: free <laughs> <is> lactose intolerant.
0: <laughs> dude, I got a
1: great title for the comic: Pizza Gate,
2: huh? <laughs> <laughs> Ah! Oh, <laughs> shit, oh, Ed. That's the conspiracy. <laughs> QAnon is actually the foot trying to get pizza canceled to annoy the turtles. Boom.
1: <laughs> oh my god. This is great. Uh, but uh, it is funny that yeah, them being these weird mutagenic creatures, they still are street level for the reasons we said. No money, yeah. fringe of society, uh, you know, uh kung fu power set mm. that doesn't which is which is one of the again, the greatest Bad parts of the new Turtles movies—how like indestructible and super strong they were. It's like, yeah, no, you're a turtle. And if you catch a bad one, you get beat up by seven cops. <laughs> like that's interesting. <laughs> like you yeah. and your brothers are keeping you from being surrounded by seven cops and tased to death or whatever. You know what I'm saying? That and and when and when a bullet hits your shell, they have membranes in their shells. It's not a it's not a party when they fall four stories and land in their shell. That's not a fucking party.
2: Yeah, it still hurts a lot. Again, Um, I I say it often, that first Ninja Turtles movie is so brilliant. Like, Raphael almost just gets beat to death in that movie. And Mm -hmm. even at the end, like, they're getting fucked up by the Shredder. And I think that is important. Like, they can't be indestructible. So there's a few characters who we would probably consider
0: street level. But they are also on the Avengers dealing with world problems Pretty much the entire time of their existence, while they also have moments when they don't do that. We got Black Widow, Hawkeye. I think arguably even Captain America. It's, it's not like Captain America for the most part can stand toe to toe with Thanos. Those guys are pretty big, strong heroes who do deal with world ending problems, but are, I think would also be considered street level, especially like Hawkeye.
1: Well, I mean, let's let's talk about Hawkeye first, because uh, the the Fraction Aha joint making him the ultimate Marvel street level hero. Yeah, we should probably touch on that.
2: I I mean, I think that I think Hawkeye is a really good example of just because you have no powers. Does that make you a street level hero? And I would argue that, like, if you put the Matt Fraction run on Hawkeye up against, say, Mark Miller's The Ultimates, In one Hawkeye is a street level hero and in the other he's not like Hawkeye is going to be a secret agent. Essentially, I don't think he fits as a street level superhero. But if Hawkeye is just a dude living in a rundown apartment who kicks it with the Avengers when they need his help, but is otherwise not partaking in like the privilege and lifestyle of being the world's greatest superhero then yeah he can be street level and and are th- i guess there's a lot of heroes that do that like okay we the but the
0: good batman stories are when he's saving gotham and mm. and and fighting for you know the people of gotham against these psychos who are constantly making their city bad but like he is also great at dealing with starro
1: well i mean see and that that therein lies the rub with the bat thing i think we should probably get that get that resolved presently because He's like maybe the first hybrid hero that I've really seen where it's just like he kind of the way that he's been written so consistently both ways from, oh, I checked under her fingernails. She scratched her assailant. I'll go to the DNA database. Ah, no hits. What? She ate a bit of beef before she died. Where do they make this type of beef? (laughs) Jimmy's Diner. I'll go talk to the chef. It's like that type of guy. And then the guy who, like, shoots a infinity bullet ultimate nullifier or whatever at Darkseid and dodges his Omega beams. It's like, I guess he can function in both worlds. But Jesus, man, it's just the cognitive dissonance
2: is weird. Well, you know what the uh, ultimate cause of that is, is essentially Batman is just an extension of Sherlock Holmes, the shadow, the spider. But at some point they decided he needed to be best friends with Superman. And so it's like, how do you square that? And so you just need to level him up. So it's not, he's just of the tradition of Sherlock Holmes. He's smarter and better than Sherlock Holmes. And he's not just a great fighter. He's the world's best fighter. You know what I mean? And it's like Mm -hmm. the need to put him into the DC universe as a whole makes him bigger than street level. Yeah.
0: So because I because I love Hawkeye, I love that run of Hawkeye. I mean, it's one of the greatest runs of comic books. Like it's funny. It's just obviously amazingly drawn, but it also makes me I don't know. It's just I don't know if I count Hawkeye a street level beyond just that and like a few other runs. The rest of the stuff I've read. I don't think he's a street-level character.
1: Well, I just – but you're, you're saying that because of his proximity to stuff. But in those yeah. adventures, does he shoot That's an true. arrow that breaks apart full of kryptonite beams and slices God apart? No. no. That literally no. never happens. I mean he killed the Hulk with the adamantium tip uh, arrow, which is pretty sick.
2: He's not going to be the guy who, you know, whips up the ultimate nullifier when the cosmic exactly. threat comes down. So exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's Tony.
1: So, but I, I think, and like I, I did this rant a little bit on our greatest uh, comic book movies by decade. Somehow we got into the subject of Hawkeye and why he is valuable in the Avengers as a human surrogate. And uh, I still think that that holds true. I, I, I've reexamined that thought and it, it's solid. Uh, but <laughs> and, <laughs> I just think it's one of those things where we have to have somebody there that can be in this super peril to get these godly things over and the fact that we can stand with the gods is an important part for us in fiction i just think you could do the hawkeye approach with batman i'm not keeping trying to circle back to it but hawkeye is instructive hawkeye does not become a world beater around these gods he's still a regular guy and the writers come up with ways that for him to be effective or rather needed in that milieu while the gods are fighting man steals fire prometheus you dig Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, like, I don't understand why we refuse to do Batman like that anymore. You know what I mean? We used to have a designated Batman area of the story where it's like, oh, I broke through the vents and I'm about to drop on this guy's head and knock out the force field. And that's when I do that. So, you got to blaze in here. Okay, ready, go. There mm-hmm. were all types. There were always stuff like that. And then it became him standing there in an armor suit looking like war machine standing with all the rest of the gods, like, ready to go to God war. I mean, Frank Miller, Listen. I love that motherfucker. But that <laughs> power suit? has poisoned the fucking well, Batman as an inferior Iron Man, go to hell. Go to hell with that. If I never see him in Power Armor again, it'll be too fucking soon.
2: I was also going to say, as so often happens in comics, most writers took the wrong lessons from what Grant Morrison did with the character. Mm. Where if you look back at the 90s JLA, which I think is a good line of demarcation where sort of the Bat God version of Batman became the de facto version Mm -hmm. those Morrison stories really did what you're talking about like Batman was always the one who wasn't involved because he would be like "Mm, this doesn't feel right early on and he'd be off like creeping in the air ducts of the satellite or Mm -hmm. the moon base while everybody else was like duking it out with whatever the villain was so they always used Batman as more of like I can sniff out when something fishy's going on and I'm going to go have my own adventure while you guys deal with the cosmic menace, because I got to find out more about what's happening or I see a weakness or whatever it is. Somehow that just got mutated into like, Oh no, Batman just, you know, can stand toe to toe with anybody with prep time where it's yeah. like, mm, that's not really the lesson that Morrison's Batman was trying to teach us. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I think just a really
1: instructive case of that was, um, when Prometheus beat his ass and beat the whole JLA up and all that kind of shit. And then he, he uh, Prometheus had a helmet that mimicked the fighting styles of people, like a, a shortcut to Taskmasterville, basically. Mm-hmm. So he, would, he had all these combat simulations and all the shit in his head, like the Midnighter, or proto-version of the Midnighter, is what Prometheus basically was with his helmet on. And once he programmed the moves in there, he had all the moves of everybody. He had Batman's moves, he had this one's moves, that one's moves. And Batman was just like, I literally can't beat this guy up. So what he did was he hacked it or did something rewired it to where Prometheus now had the moves of Stephen Hawking,
2: yeah. and then Batman then proceeded it, to beat his ass. No, so I think he, I think if I remember this correctly, it was actually like a mini disc because we were still in the CD-ROM era. Yeah, yes. so Batman had a mini disc that had like the neurology of Stephen Hawking on it, and he stuck it into Prometheus's helmet. Which, yeah. to be fair, they had established before that like. Prometheus would insert things into his helmet mm-hmm. in order to like upgrade it. So, Batman just upgraded it with Stephen Hawking's ner- nervous system and <laughs> he just paralyzed him. Yeah.
1: And then he did proceed to beat his ass, though.
2: <laughs> That's like, true. Like, That's what you get for leaving your wife, Stephen Hawking. <laughs> But I also think about like in that role, you know, Batman was key to taking down the white Martians in the, in the original arc of that JLA run. And he did it because while everybody else was like interacting with these under, it was like a Thunderbolt situation. There were heroes, there was like new heroes on the scene and they were ostensibly doing good, but it was actually a plot by the white Martians to like infiltrate earth. And so like Batman snuck, he sniffed it out from the beginning So, the entire JLA, who's like actually interfacing with these guys, gets incapacitated. But Batman had taken himself out of it from the beginning and used all that time to figure out like, all right, there's these new superheroes. Here's their power set. We don't know anything about their background. Who could they be? Why could they be? deduced that it was white Martians, and then showed up with gasoline and matches and was like, I'm going to fuck all of you up right now. <laughs> like, that's, that's the shit right there. That's how you put a street-level superhero into a cosmic situation.
1: Mundo. Yeah.
2: The next character I wanted to talk about is
0: a Black Widow. I think Black Widow actually is just street-level. Like, yes, she's done some stuff with the Avengers, but she's never doing... Beyond taking on a couple of Thanos' kids in the movies, it, she's mostly a, just a cool-ass spy.
1: Well, I, th- I think her her power set and how she's used in the movies is very instructive from Grant Morrison's JLA run, oddly yeah. enough. They put her where she's most needed. Like, oh, I'm, I am jump up on a Chachari thing. I'm flying above the fray. Oh, wait a minute. There's the doctor and there's the machine that does the thing. Let me hop down here and fuck this shit up. You know what I mean? Like, she she finds out where she needs to be and they minimize the although it's still funny it's like that I don't know if you guys have seen the the movie Harlem Nights very much but uh there's a scene in it where a guy is lighting up this this bunch of fuckers with a with a with a Tommy gun he's like and his fucking uh, associate goes pulls out a 22 and goes and then he'll shoot and his associate comes out like, would you stop shooting that little motherfucker <laughs> you know what I mean because it's just so stupid <laughs> that he's like shooting his dumb 22 and that's homegirl with her two nines just mm. blah, blah, blah. I got two glocks against aliens that, that are beating up the Hulk low key and you know it's just it's preposterous and stupid I love that they just minimize it they're always cut away from that like we gotta get away from that that doesn't make any sense <laughs> you know what mean? I, I love that I love how they minimize that but yes it, it, in Civil War the opening of Civil War shows you what a street-level person could do. She wrecked shop in there. Her and Captain America were ripping it in
2: there, yeah. dude.
0: Since you had mentioned him, let's maybe go to Captain America.
2: Captain America, I think, is interesting because it's so dependent on the writing. Right. And it's not just like what, th- what threat is he facing, but the more they lean into like we're going to explore Captain America as a symbol and as like this political figure that is – Demagogued by some, used as a tool, you know, he's the spirit of America. You know, as he goes, so goes the country. I feel like those runs are maybe not street level. Yeah. Um, but he can also be portrayed as like a mildly superpowered guy who like hangs out in New York and deals with sort of spy more spy like threats, and that's very street level. So I don't know, he's pretty malleable that way. Yeah, I mean,
1: I would certainly agree with that assessment. I I don't I don't know that holding how people see Captain America against him for street level makes much sense when you think about it. Like all Marvel from the entirety of my whole life was Captain America, honestly, you catch that dude in a phone booth, you know, you might be able to fuck that dude up. You know, what <laughs> what I'm saying? if you're Spider-Man in a phone booth versus Captain America, uh, Captain America's coming out looking like Ragu. Uh, is, uh I, man, Iron Fist in a phone booth probably fuck Captain America up if you punched with that shit. So it's like, but that doesn't matter because in the battle, you know he knows the best way to use your powers. It was like I think I think we said it uh, on an episode here before, but like in essence, Captain America has all the Avengers' powers because he directs them, he yeah. he orchestrates them, so he is super powerful in that respect, and we kind of transfer their power onto him as though he's equal to them when in reality like guys in an elevator can almost beat him Mm. you know what i mean like so so that's what's so great about him that he's standing with gods even though he's so beatable and when you look at how badly broken his arm is and he straps the shield to it anyway and the pain that he feels you know in, in in game he's grabbing regular dudes and whipping them into columns he's kicking trucks into people but he's got a broken arm and bloody nose and a fractured orbital and his eyes full of blood and he has to keep going. You know what I mean? So it's like, I don't know, man. I think he might be the ultimate Marvel street level hero in that he never really transcends, like, um, he didn't throw his shield and hit, uh, Thanos in the head and decapitate him. He sure. had to borrow yeah. powers from other people. He had to do this and that. And the other, had to be smart. Yeah. He had, he had, you know, he yeah. had to, he had to use what's good in him to, Power him up like his goodness gave him the power that he needed but it wasn't from internal you get what i'm saying
2: it's an interesting contrast that his capacity to suffer and his need to like overcome his own limitations is very street level i on the other hand sort of feel like i know you said don't don't hold like how people see him against him but you you almost realize it's like he himself, as a character usually, is fighting for greater ideals. You know, he's fighting mm, yeah. to protect principles, a way of life, you know. And, and like you said, he's also leading the most powerful heroes into battle, which to me is all very not street level. I sort of feel like, yeah. and look, this is an arbitrary definition that I guess we're just trying to circle here. But for me, street level is inherently a little bit of like, It's small. It's geographically small. It's conceptually small. It's like, even if you Mm -hmm. end up with a very strict moral code, it starts because you're looking for vengeance. You're looking for justice. You're looking, you know, it's like something small happens and like you're now active in that neighborhood. I mean, fucking Captain America started by winning World War Two. Yeah. You know that's mm. not very street level.
1: <laughs> You're telling me the Punisher couldn't win World War II? Okay, maybe Vietnam. <laughs> maybe Vietnam.
2: Didn't he explicitly
1: lose Vietnam? Isn't
2: that part of the whole thing? He did. He
1: hey, did. that wasn't his fault. They wouldn't let him go back for an 18th tour. That's if they true. had to let him go back for that last <laughs> that that's last true. tour, he could have did it. Yeah, yeah,
0: he would have saved. Do we get to win song? this time? <laughs> um. So okay. Well, the, uh, I I kind of agree. Cap is 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 an amalgam of, of those things. And I do feel like he is, I'm just trying to think about like, cause there's the ultimate version of cap where he actually fucks up the Hulk one time. Mm-hmm. So maybe,
2: I don't know, but even well, that it- is portrayed as more of like a, a, a triumph of his strategic mind and his exactly. reflexes. And like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? It's not like they're just trade and blows like Rocky and, uh, and yeah, yeah, Rocky yeah. three with Mr. T, you know? Right. Okay, well yeah. then let's get to my ultimate and favorite, um, and that's Spider
0: Man. Ah.
1: I mean, but see that that I think that's a great place to go after Captain America, Ron, because I think the same thing applies to Spider-Man as Captain America mm-hmm. in that they have greater than regular person physical strength. When they run into the Punisher, they whoop his ass. When they run into Daredevil, they low key whoop his ass. Mm-hmm. However, in some of the best stories, their scope is like when you drop Captain America off behind enemy lines. You can't exactly just get in a jetpack and fly over the battle and nuke them like, uh, you know, like John Osterman from Watchmen. You know what I'm saying? Like, you drop him in <laughs> Vietnam, there ain't enough shields. I mean, enough trees for a shield to bounce off of. The jungle's too thick. He he loses mm-hmm. his shield in a rice paddy and has to shoot a bunch of farmers. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't know how up off street level that is when you yeah. when you got leeches on your balls. So you know what I'm saying?
2: it's And
1: so and uh, doesn't have shit to swing on. oh spider-man in vietnam would have got smoked Uh, (laughs) uh, but but, but spider-man like like captain america spider-man even more so than captain america actually his focus is neighborhood obviously friendly neighborhood spider-man and his scope is urban areas where he can swing like you alluded to ron so it's like yeah, in between both of them, I think Spider-Man is still more the street level superhero. But is he a street level as the real street levels? Because he's fighting superpowered people all the time. Exactly.
2: But you know what? I think, you know, what puts him there for me, and I mentioned this earlier, is that like Spider-Man doesn't have a capacity for suffering. Spider-Man's whole deal is suffering. <laughs> and I think that's you know what I mean? Like, I think that's sort of very relatable. Everyman style of like my life is absolute shit. Really puts him over the top for street level.
1: My name's Ryan, and my life—it's pretty crazy. <laughs> you know <laughs> that is—I think that is interesting. That a uh, Spider-Man, yeah. The what he cares about yep. is not often larger than the neighborhood, because I think that I think that makes him almost yeah an ultimate street level superhero. In that he has to. Uh, there's only one rival, I think, in Marvel for his crown of yeah. ultimate street level superhero. Um, because of the fact that he does care about his neighborhood. He he makes personal. I love the fact that the movies emphasize the personal relationships he has in the neighborhood, even if they are just chance encounters, like, do a flip, and he does a flip. Like, that guy will forever go, I told Spider-Man to do a flip, and he did the sickest flip I've ever seen in my life, bro. It was like 57, and it was just a regular flip. But in his mind, it's the greatest thing since sliced bread, because he did it for him. He's
2: my guy. Did you see recently um – there's a, a a YouTube essayist, right? One of these guys that makes long form videos named Patrick H. Willems, who mm-hmm. just put out a video about Sam Raimi's Spider-Man movies. And his whole central thesis about like what makes them the best Spider-Man movies is how many of the greatest moments in those movies involve just random characters that Spider-Man runs into while being Spider-Man and how like they really make this very subtle but very strong effort to make New York itself a character by having, like, the movies just stuffed to the gills with character actors and bit parts. Sam Raimi has a great handle on street-level heroes. Obviously, he did the Spider-Man trilogy. Sam Raimi also did Darkman, yeah, who yeah. I think should rank as one of the great street-level heroes. Sam Raimi also did... um in the in the nineties, a perhaps little scene, but by me highly appreciated TV series called Mantis, which was yes. yes which was about a paralyzed scientist who invents an exoskeleton to help him walk and realizes that it actually gives him super strength. And so yep. he, he fashions it into a costume and goes out to fight crime, but is is very much burdened and hampered by the fact that like if this exosuit gets damaged or if it runs out of power he was literally paralyzed so like it was a great sort of source of dramatic tension and i think again was just like a beautiful street level hero because it's a guy with severe disadvantages who's suffering a lot who's going to pull himself up past that not to become a rich guy but just to like live life on his own terms And then when he realizes he can do more, he sets about cleaning up the neighborhood from these criminals who I think, if I remember correctly, were the ones who like originally sabotaged him or maybe even like shot him in the back to steal his research. Mm -hmm. Um, But that was a Sam Raimi joint as well. He developed and produced that series. So I would say between Mantis, Darkman and the Spider-Man movies, like. Sam Raimi's doing street level almost better than anybody in movies. And even honestly, you could put like Xena up on the up on the board there as well as like a weird fantasy riff on a street level hero. Oh shit. I didn't even first off, let me say, I didn't
0: know Sam Raimi did uh, Xena.
2: Sam Raimi was a uh, was a producer and developed the show. I loved that show, you guys, if you weren't aware. Oh. Um, have we discovered a source of Sam Raimi content cuz I know you're not a fan of the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies.
0: I I'm not a fan of the sort of, I, and, and I don't know how much of this was Sam Raimi's fault, to be honest. It was like producers saying, oh, we don't like, we don't want to make him a genius. Like, how's a 14-year-old a genius? It doesn't make sense. You know what I mean? I feel like a lot of the stuff that they changed that kind of annoy me that I think are important to Spider-Man's character were not changes that necessarily were Sam Raimi's. I wonder why he understands street level so well.
2: Well, you know what he really focuses on? And I think this is a through line through all of his best work, including the evil dead movies is like Sam Raimi loves to torture his heroes. (laughs) Sam Raimi makes sure that his heroes have the worst fucking time, which translates into like the best time for the audience. But I think that that is such a huge part of being a street level superhero. Like that probably that might be the explanation. Um, In this last third of the
1: podcast, I uh, would like to kind of address some of the people who are pushing the limits
2: of street level. In D.C., street level essentially just means part of the Bat family. Uh, It's
1: it's like this trickle-down, trickle-down Batonomics. Yeah, 100%. (laughs) And to that end, though, some of the people that he ends up fighting are like super big – like super-powered street-level people like Deathstroke. Whenever they want to put somebody in the Bat family over or Batman himself, they throw him up against Deathstroke. But is Deathstroke actually street-level? Because if you dropped Deathstroke, definitely could have won Vietnam by himself.
2: Whoa, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's also such a weird... I don't know. It's it's such a weird element of the modern era because I would say all the way through... I mean, even through the 90s in D.C., like Deathstroke was seen to be like not street level in his ability as a villain, right? Like he was, he was an enforcer for world level villains. Like, mm-hmm. and I know that he has that long history with the team Titans, but even then, like he was a mastermind playing games that they couldn't even possibly understand. And like mm-hmm. nobody from that team was going to take him out. And now nice. it's like, he just seems to be a dude with a rivalry with Batman for some reason.
1: It's very strange, and people have brought up the times that we've brought him up as a as a Batman villain. They've been like, "Dude, he's not a fucking Batman villain. Where did this come from?" I get how oldsters and people who like read comic books and like take a break from them and then come back later and they're like, "Wow, well, when the fuck did this happen? When the fuck did uh the the, the Electra become Daredevil? You know, when the fuck did all these different things that are status quo now? When did those happen?" And they've been you you blink your eyes and something's been stat quo for ten years. Yeah, you know what I mean. So it's like it is interesting his his he's almost had a reverse power creep Deathstroke has. He started out being able to beat up all the Teen Titans. Now he routinely gets housed by Robins and, and a Nightwing occasionally. <laughs> yeah. It's like, wait, what the fuck? How, oh, how, how the mighty have fallen.
2: I mean, I think that that is the flip side of the coin of having to constantly one up your hero, you know, put make your heroes better. Um, you got to just keep making the villains weaker because how else are the heroes going to be better? You
1: know, yeah, oh, uh, uh, yeah. Well, I know, you know, you a, know what is this a is a big is, proponent of that shit, man.
0: You know what this is kind of turning into, which I think is interesting, um, is not just who the greatest street level superheroes are, but also is it better? It, are characters better when you tell a street level story? And the reason this thought occurred to me is because the X Men are definitely not street level heroes I, their world. They? but then the thing is the best stories of the x-men are always street level the best wolverine story you've ever read is a story where he saves some dude in, in a in a jungle and they hang out and drink beers together for a little bit and they tell some stories or whatever like those the stories with 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 wolverine where he is like Helping out a, a village or or something along those lines are the best Wolverine stories. Mm-hmm. And I'd argue that a lot of those stories, Nightcrawler stories are probably, those are some of his best stuff. I'm wondering if a lot of these characters that are written as world-saving characters are better when they're written uh, individually or as a team and as a street level.
1: Well, certain, certainly Wolverine is. I mean, you hit upon something really great. I thought about Wolverine earlier and I kind of lost it. Thank you for bringing that back, Ron. Because, yeah, Wolverine, honestly, I got knives... In my hands, uh, and again, come on. <laughs> his whole
2: his whole bag is how badly he suffers. He just has the healing factor, so he can get over it. But like, it's a yeah. huge part of his story.
1: And the healing is just so he can suffer some more, right? And and I, I've said this, for This is the shortest version ever here. Please make him very skilled. He doesn't just get shot willy nilly. It's stupid as yep. fuck to have him rushing into bullets, to get a, a tummy full of lead every time he fights anybody. That's insane. You got you got to be tired of drawing that by now, guys. You got to be tired of writing that in the scripts where he's just getting laced up like a goddamn shoe with fucking M60 bullets and shit. He sneaks up and stabs you in your fucking aorta, you know, from the back. That's how you die with Wolverine most of the time in my world. Wolverine kills you before you knew he was even there. You wake up in hell fucking with Wolverine.
2: You know what other trope he adheres to, though? White boy kung fu. Oh, my God.
1: We had to do this. Yes, you're right about that. (laughs) And, And see, and that's the funny part is. They're wasting a, a real deal kung fu cracker by having him get fucked up all the time. He should be the. He should be a a a a, a wisp on the wind. He should be a fluttering. Oh, what what? Ah, oh, I'm dead. You know what I mean? Like he's so skilled with that white boy kung fu and a, a samurai, whatever. And, and even by ninjas. He- yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, but you know, I think they were trying to make him like a ronin, though. I mean, because like his, yeah. he like fought ninjas. So mm-hmm. they kind of right, try, try, right. try to posit him as a samurai, which is interesting how like Daredevil's a ninja, Wolverine's a samurai. I'm a fucking ballerina then. <laughs> well,
0: I'm a Jinsu master, so I just want to... <laughs> um, I, I, I think that it'd be interesting to have one Wolverine run where he's with somebody else. He dodges uh, a bullet... The guy with him is like, hey, why'd you dodge that? You like just heal up for him everything, right? And he's like,
1: yeah, but it's not fun. Mm-hmm. It still hurts. Mm-hmm. Like- well, to that end, they used to make Luke Cage complain about how bullets hurt all the time. He's mm-hmm. like, man, bullets hurt, and they fucking up my clothes. It's two things I can't abide. You can't fuck with my radio. You can't hurt my beautiful skin. I cocoa buttered it up today, and you're fucking up my clothes. You know I mean? You're fucking up my $400 shirt. I beat up Dr. Doom for $200. You just Mm. shot a hole in my $300 shirt. What do you think I'm going to do to you, buddy?
0: Well, okay, so you brought him up. Luke Cage.
1: The best stories he is street level, but this is my complicated history of Luke Cage in about 22 seconds. I always hated that his main power was super strength, but he was about a a third as strong as Spider-Man. I felt that in my black soul that they're going to make this motherfucker's main shit and vulnerability and strength. And he was a third as strong as Spider-Man when he came out. He could lift three tons. Count him three tons. And even in his Marvel Universe entry, they showed a scene of him punching a dude through multiple floors of a skyscraper. But he can lift three tons. I'm seeing some three-fifths of a superpower shit going on here, and I don't like it. <laughs> and they kept it that way for years, but I got used to it. And I kind of got into it where it's like he probably could lift 10, 12 tons. But even that wasn't no great shake, especially given the fact that he couldn't crawl walls or shoot webs. We've talked about how Spider-Man would be a much worse hero if he was jumping around, not being able to shoot webs, not having the technical acuity that he has as Spider-Man. He'd be a pretty crappy superhero. He'd be leapfrog times five. But for some reason, Luke Cage was able to make stuff work in his neighborhood with those sort of powers. And I thought it was pretty sick. But then Bendis did the power creep and put him into the Avengers. And now he's punching Galactus in the nuts. And I don't even know what the fuck's going on. Mm. So I don't know. I got my wish. Of of Luke Cage being one of the more strong characters in the Marvel Universe, both mentally and physically, both leadership-wise and, you know, punching impact. And I don't know that it made him better. I honestly don't. I think it took him away from the street level. It's almost preposterous now for Luke Cage to walk down th- through the neighborhood and help anybody anymore. Yeah. Can you just call the Avengers to, like, blow up the whole block and rebuild it with Stark tech or something?
2: Yeah. You know? <laughs> I, see, I... I really dug what they did with his powers in the Netflix TV series. Yeah. I don't know that the Luke Cage Mm -hmm. show was the greatest show, but they essentially portrayed him as like the golden age Superman as far as his powers went, which I thought was just, that was like right in the sweet spot. Like nobody could really come up with a way to fuck with him at all, but he was not going to be the one who was going to go and like tip, yeah, tip over Galactus if Galactus came down. You know, like it was just enough where like everybody was like holy shit I can't get away with anything now. And like that's 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 the the sweet spot for him. To to quote Stevie Wonder, he had
1: just enough just enough for the city. <laughs> <laughs> he had just enough for the city. He's that's a street it. level hero. That's it. That's you know, so yeah, I I would put him there and I think he he's best there but again uh i understand the need the want to make him be more pivotal to the marvel universe so the power creep took place and now him and his wife could probably beat up half the universe it's, it's all right it's fine you know their, so, their baby probably has glowing
2: eyes and Franklin richard powers by now I don't,
1: I don't really i don't really keep
2: up with it anymore that's <laughs> so, i mean that's a classic comic book thing too like we're gonna get two superpowered people together yeah. and then their their baby is jesus Mm-hmm.
1: oh and real real quick well, i want to do a section on um street level villains because we got your boys kingpin and bane who i would count as pretty good street level um super villains i mean oh yeah. street street level villains um and what makes them so i mean kingpin to me is the apotheosis of this idea especially as rendered by uh frank miller because his tendrils are in everything he can see everywhere even in, even when you fight your way up to him he'll probably beat your ass I don't know if you can articulate it better than that. Like, if you if you if you fought all the dudes to get up to Tony Montana, and he just cracked
2: his knuckles and whooped your fucking ass. Talk about who I trust me. Listen, I think the best street level villains, which may say something about the best street level stories, are essentially noir villains with martial arts movie training. You know, like if you're the guy that's going to be at the end Mm. of the of the tangled web of conspiracy at the end of a noir movie, but you could fight like chuck norris in a bruce lee movie that's that's gold that's a street level hero right th- or a street level villain right there mm. it's
0: so interesting that you guys to talk about this because uh you guys know i love the dresden uh files uh harry mm-hmm. dresden um one of his main bad guys in the in the books is this uh guy johnny Marcone, um and he is basically the mob boss of chicago and a bunch of and actually you know reaches out to a bunch of other areas too but he's that type of character like um they did a thing where they do a like a a soul gaze when that's a wizard thing where like if you make eye contact for too long you kind of learn about that person. And basically he's like a tiger and while he's not completely evil he is a predator and he will do what he what it takes to like win everything. Like his his whole attitude is that sort of noir fingers and everything. I'm the I'm the least of the bad guys that you could be having right now, because while things aren't, while some crime is happening, the really bad crime doesn't happen because I'm here. You know, like he's got this sort of whole thing and he just happens to also be very good at fighting when he has to fight. He doesn't mm-hmm. do it a lot, but when he does, you're like, Oh, I thought I was going to get to this guy and whoop his ass. And now I'm not going to. And that is, it makes him a really interesting character because the Dresden started off. As sort of street level, his whole gig is solving problems for people in Chicago. And then it just gets bigger and bigger because that's the nature of, of mm-hmm. fantasy and storytelling in general. But some of those best stories were these low key. He has to deal with Johnny Marcon. One of now he has to deal with him and he's more scary than some of these like literal warlocks who have like the power of, of zombies and darkness at their hands. Marcone's still kind of scary and mm. and I think that's really interesting that you're mentioning that because that's what makes Kingpin so interesting to me is like he could just kill your family
2: or he might drop $50,000 on your doorstep because it'll make you indebted to him and someday he's going to come yep. to collect on that like who knows yeah mm-hmm. that's
0: what's really interesting about the character and he really is a good street level villain and he can whoop your ass because he's like a
1: sumo I, and, uh, and I, I always loved I mean Frank Miller like I said he he is uh he's he's my god and my devil <laughs> you know what i'm saying like i i think he's so fucking awesome i also think some of the things he co- contributed are just some of the most deleterious things towards uh, our 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 uh conception of these concepts you know but i will say along those lines fucking bane right bane is a weird uh thing for me because it's almost like falling in love with a with a, a shitty toy that was marketed to you heavy when you were 5 Sure. Oh, wait a minute. We did. We've, we've talked about He Man before. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, because he just, him and Doomsday, honestly, started out as utter garbage. I don't think Doomsday has ever transcended being utter garbage. No. Um, but Bane, for some reason, just keeps kicking around in the psyche of everybody because there is something dope about the anti Batman. Yep. They tried to sell Prometheus as the anti Batman. No, the anti Batman is Bane. The person born in a prison the born the person born to prison life, the person who who built themselves out of that and built their minds while they were in prison they didn't they didn't go around the world learning stuff they had to like kill a guy for a book and read it in one night and burn it for fire and then do it, do it again. you know what I mean yeah. like there's all this shit to him and him designing the perfect plan to use the fact that Batman doesn't kill anybody. The reason I could run you ragged is you didn't kill any of these fucking villains. So now Tweedledee, Tweedledum, Jimmy Beelzebub, Johnny Zazz, and whoever the fuck, and the Joker and them are all running around willy-nilly and you can't do shit about it. And when you do do shit about it, you'll get the flu. And I'll come to your house while you have the flu and broken ribs <laughs> and beat
2: your ass in front of your old man. <laughs> God damn, <laughs> Bates Hill. Yeah. You know, what? I I know I've mentioned it before too, but like, Young Justice, the cartoon series, did mm. this great matriculation of Bane where it's ostensibly set like after his ultimate showdown with Batman. And so it's like he's kind of over his obsession with destroying Batman. So what does he do? He goes back to the tiny island that the prison that he was raised in is situated on. And he, instig- he instigates a coup and overthrows the local government and then just installs himself as a warlord of this little island. And that's just his status quo because he doesn't really want anything more. Like all he wants in life is to just show that he's better than everybody. Mm -hmm. So it's like once he can't really get over on Batman, he's going to go do the next best thing and show that that prison that was going to break him will break under his heel. And it's like, again, a great encapsulation of the mentality of a street level villain. You know, it's not about some greater good. It's not about ruling the world. It's not about accessing ultimate power. It's just like I need to show you that you're nothing to me. It's just mm-hmm. pure spite, which mm-hmm. I think is is great.
1: Dude, and we're gonna get in mega trouble. Not to be jumping around too much, we're gonna get mega trouble if we don't talk about Green Arrow. I'll say Green okay. Arrow. See, if you want to learn what I think about Green Arrow, he should be like Hawkeye. And the fact that he's not like Hawkeye and most of the stories, and he is a, just a boring billionaire. And then they gave him a kung fu cracker fucking makeover well after people knew that it was bad. Judd Winnick, I'm looking at you, kid, put him on a kung fu island and made him fight all these kung fu people and fight this master that had beat up Batman before and all this kind of shit. So it's like he goes on the island, a rich guy who's an asshole and has been fighting street level crime pretty well for 10, 15 years. And he comes out this bored again, hard Kung Fu master version of stop it. Mm-hmm. Stop it. That sucks. Mm-hmm. It worked good in the series, though. I got to say the series, yeah. that shit was ill. Well, it, they, it really
2: I, worked. I mean, they were essentially just doing a Batman series. Yeah. Like that's all, that's all they were doing.
0: Yeah. They just yeah, stole yeah. a couple of the good parts of Green Arrow and then made Batman. Right.
2: You know, my favorite version of Green Arrow is the dilettante ultra liberal version where it's like, yes, he's a rich guy, but he inherited all that money. And like, he's almost, he's almost just like a woke activist. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, you know, and, and ideally, although I, no, I don't know if it was ever portrayed this way, except maybe in the justice league unlimited cartoon. Um So he's this rich guy who just decides to get into like su- superhero activism with all of the, sort of blind spots that would go with that right like i think that makes for an interesting contrast to sort of the dark tortured avengers um and it would carve out a nice niche for him but yeah nobody's really used him that way probably since the 70s with denny o'neill and neil adams pairing him up to teach green lantern a thing or two
1: yeah that was the best version and a lot of people have called that like uh proto woke or whatever it was like He was just being like, landlords shouldn't fuck people over. And yeah, it was like, really, when you look back on the stories, (laughs) it's just really basic.
2: (laughs) Just shows you how inherently capitalistic American culture is, because he's like, he's just like, people should have a living wage. Dude, he was this ultra socialist, liberal (laughs) superhero, man. Like, it was crazy.
1: Like, oh yeah, uh Green Lantern should care about racism on Earth. What? Oh, what a woke to this. guy radical, radical nonsense. <laughs> this guy's more radical than the Ninja Turtles. What <laughs> the fuck?
0: I want to talk about Lady Shiva so that Ed can talk about Cass- Cassandra King.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, we, we did we did we did kind of start the Bat family as the street level aspects of um of DC. I'll just say for my part, Batman does present a real opportunity to present him with human foes that are worthy, and they all become this human foes and allies that are worthy to live in his world, and that presents us with a lot of storytelling opportunities. I'll I'll tell you what, let's rank his apprentices as to who would actually get killed first. I'll go Mm -hmm. first. Tim Drake would get smoked. I don't give a fuck what anybody says. He doesn't have the natural combat ability. Who gets shot in his head? Yeah. I, I think maybe Jason Todd might get shot before that because he started Stephanie training at like 16. Might be number one. Oh, Stephanie Brown's probably number one. I'm the spoiler's daughter. I did two minutes of Kung fu training. Oh, my God. Yeah. Barbara Gordon would be up there too, though. I mean, how, yeah. how much push ups in the dark prepared your ass to be fucking with Batman? I mean, yeah. Some of these guys, I
2: I don't know, man.
1: I don't know if they should be fucking with Homeboy.
2: That's why the best version of Barbara Gordon is the paralyzed version, where she did actually get, like, fucked up by doing it. And and within that, became a totally different type of hero in her own right. And I feel like, again, that's, like, pure street-level stuff. Again, I don't understand how it's now the status quo that she's out, like, tweening it up in Gotham again, but... Hey, that's comics, baby.
1: I do understand people's rejection. Uh, even Alan Moore has rejected certain aspects of the Killing Joke, and mm-hmm. the fact that it is this kind of out of continuity story where Barbara gets shot, uh, Gordon probably gets sex probed at least a little bit while he's naked in that in that circus. Oh yeah, and then Batman kills the Joker in those last in that last sequence. He they're laughing, and while they're laughing, somebody stops laughing mm-hmm. <laughs> and. uh <laughs> I don't know how to interpret that. I think in that alternate history, that was the thing that Batman made Batman go, look, I cannot abide this anymore. I will kill you. So the fact that that story, and the fact that people don't have enough media literacy to read it the way that I just read it, I didn't make that theory up. You can see it in the text, the Mm -hmm, way that Alan Moore writes and, and Brian Ballin draws. Anyway, the fact that we kept that aspect of her being paralyzed, I thought that would I don't know. I don't want to speak for disabled people, but if I was disabled, I would want to know that I don't need to get magically healed to be a hero and to help. And and her being a mastery of a domain that didn't need a physical body, and her being such a linchpin to everything they did, and leading the team of Birds of Prey. And I just thought it was better, even if they did make her be able to walk by some miracle, or have or have those um, arm crutches or something like that, where she's not a physical threat necessarily for kung fuing anymore, but. She's she's up and about and she can do stuff. The war on crime has weighed on her. I don't know what's bad about that. I don't know. You have Kassandra Kane right there, and I just think a lot of people need their dose of ginger goodness. Mm. And I just don't. I and you know that's what
0: I mean? Why Kate Kane rules. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: That's a big red wig, dude. That's a fake red hair. <laughs>
1: I
0: do not care. No. It's um, interesting
1: because, you know, because she's got actually, military, right? I was
0: going to say she would be uh, one of the ones that lasted. But you know who I'm going to say is next to not last? Damian Wayne. Here's why. Here's why. Here's why.
2: <laughs> He's too cocky. What? That's not why. The why is because he's 10, and a 10-year-old, no matter how trained they are, is not going to take down a mercenary.
0: That's true. That's true. <laughs> but he also is so cocky about that stuff. In oh, the, in come the, on. That's the best That's the best part about that character. Come on. It's <laughs> no, great.
2: It's going to get him killed. That See, is the best part about him. It will get him killed. Here's my controversial take on the rankings. I think Catwoman needs to be closer to the top. Like... I don't know when Catwoman became Lady Shiva, but I want to say it was with Tom King's run, because otherwise, like, I don't understand how suddenly, like, Catwoman is a more skilled fighter, gymnast, Batman than anybody else in the Bat family. Yeah, no. She was a prostitute. (laughs)
1: <laughs> I mean, she, and, and that's another lasting Frank Millerism. Yeah, I think no, I know they—they've really, um, I think they retconned that somewhat, but the, the 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 fact still remains having her box with fucking um um Ted Grant. I don't, uh, aka Wildcat. Right. I don't think that that's quite enough to have her be on. I mean, you know, uh, be on these other people's levels. However, I think I think they just hand wave her and Batgirl, frankly, as just. A, meaning the barbara gordon batgirl as well they just wanted it so bad and they just trained in a different way and you don't you know you could take a few zumba classes and some and some boxing down at 24 hour fitness and kind of do a girl version of batman which is like pretty sexist in my personal opinion not just Mm -hmm. because i phrased it in a sexist way low-key but because (laughs) that's what they've suggested that these chicks did to be on batman's level which is like impossible so it strains credulity so you're setting a, the female characters up to have more straining credulity on their um stuff which is why cassandra Kane is so important yes cassandra Kane and lady shiva are the two people without superpowers that could literally defeat batman eight times out of ten nine times out of ten prep time schmep time if we're fighting and you're not using bombs on me and shit i will fuck you up batman Lady Shiva and Cassandra Cain could do that Lady Shiva had a kung fu awakening in her brain like she's got like a larger section of her brain for fighting or something like that some weird shit and Cassandra Cain was trained for when she was a little kid there's exit wounds in her back from David Cain shooting her when she was five so that she could deal with fighting after being shot when she was five the exit wounds are huge on her back because when she was a little kid they came out and they were big he's been shooting her and punching her and fighting her insistently which since she was a baby. Yeah. That's why she's hard. And that's why she couldn't talk when she first came out, because her only language was body language. That would be the only way you could be fucking with Batman or any of these people if you had that intense training.
0: Yeah, and then obviously right below that is uh Dick Um, Dick Grayson, obviously, in Nightwing. He's right in that 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 sweet spot. He's number two. There are some people who say that Dick could beat Batman in a fight. I'm going to have to say I don't agree with that.
1: I don't see how that is. It's like that thing. Like, I taught you everything you know, not everything I know. Exactly.
0: And it's not like, uh, you know, if uh, if Nightwing was, like, taller than Batman or something, he was, like, 6'8". And had some crazy ass reach, <laughs> he, you know what I mean? Like crazy. he has some kind of you know advantage over him, but they're like the same size dude. So it's like I I just don't think you know when it comes to something like that, the skill you know maybe Nightwing's a tiny bit faster just because he's younger, but I don't think that much. You know what I mean? It's ah. yeah,
1: they, they they say I think they say that um he's faster and more agile and that can that can really make up a big thing of like and like you think about how i mean how agile could you really be in a big ass heavy cape that stops bullets and makes you glide and shit you know uh so uh it it's interesting how much dick seems to jump around and bound around where batman seems to like hit you quick and go hide and pop up you know I think that's maybe the difference in their their speed levels. Like Batman can get to a hiding place above your head or below your feet or around the yeah. corner with a smoke bomb, while Dick can just be like, try to shoot me, boing 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 boing, and just jump all <laughs> jump all around with that Deluca effect that people draw to you know the multiple figures jumping and bounding.
0: Yeah, I love that. I think some of the best Catwoman scenes are her running away after she stole some shit. So so yeah, like, I like her being able to fight off. In like a uh, like a, a pursuit type of way, where like when the person catches up, she's able to fuck them up or or, or distract them enough to then run away some more and right. and and hide really well, and all of those other things that you got to be great at when you are a thief, which is what she does. She steals from rich people. She's like Robin Hood as a cat, you know, like that's that's yeah. her thing. So when you keep her in a level where she's doing that sort of thing, I think that's better. And I think she'd survive because of that, by the way, because she'd yeah. know. Okay, I'm not gonna fight this mercenary. I'm gonna get away from this mercenary.
1: Yeah, she's uh, a ultimate, um, ultimate parkour master. Yes. you know, like you would just run up to a parkour guy and he just kicks you in the face. It's like if he's jumping off a roof and he lands both feet on your chest, he'll sure. fuck you up. That's a dope move. But like parkour isn't for fighting. It's for escaping. It's for free running. It's for traversing so yeah that that's an interesting take ron i i think they do well to to go get a little bit more back to that like she's great at scampering and running away and she'll just like a cat like if you press her you'll get clawed up real quick because she's like fast or whatever yeah. but like it just like a cat if you you know put them in a very small space you could do some real damage to them and uh their agility Don't will be you. kind of uh you know, you talk uh, about cats like that,
0: oh, <laughs> the, oh, the stress, the drama in my brain is so terrible, poor little kitty. I'm petting the cat.
1: Everything's okay. You're okay. kitty. You're okay, kitty. I'm just That's saying perping. everything's there, fine. Okay. There are size limitations to how even vicious and, and good at uh, protecting themselves. Cats are yeah, just absolutely. like, just like, um, cat yeah, like, so, Bill, do you have a favorite uh, Bat Family uh, member and why? And also, do you have somebody that you think should be
2: way up on the get killed scale besides Stephanie Brown? <laughs> um, I mean, I think my favorite Bat Family member outside of Batman, which I, I, you know, not to be basic, but I still think Batman is the best member of the Bat Family. <laughs> uh, but outside of Batman, I think my favorite is probably Nightwing. I like mm-hmm. the fact I mean, he's had the most character development out of any of those guys. I actually love Damian Wayne as well. Um, The Grant Morrison Batman and Robin with Dick Grayson as Batman, Damian Wayne as Robin, I think is one of the greatest Batman and Robin Robin dynamics I've ever read. Um, But yeah, I, I think Nightwing, just because he's a complex character, I think psychologically the fact that he's been able to maintain this hopeful and optimistic attitude just almost in spite of being raised by Batman and being indoctrinated into Batman's world. I think it's really interesting. I love the fact that he is one of the original superheroes, even though you don't really think of him that way because he was just Batman's sidekick. But like even in the real world, Nightwing's got this great pedigree of being like, Mm -hmm. you know, he created an archetype. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I just – I don't know. I like that character. I like kind of everything about that character.
1: Well, and also the, th- the thing we we touched on it earlier about his wealth or whatever, uh, I just – him being – he is really ultimate street level in DC in that he really cares about Bloodhaven. And Bloodhaven isn't even as cool as Gotham. Like Batman caring about Gotham, it's like somebody caring about New York City. He's fucking Nightwing cares about Cleveland, Newark. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's that's the interesting thing to me. He cares about Albuquerque. Ooh, nobody cares about (laughs) Albuquerque. Your fucking mouth. (coughs) Oh, Oh, my bad.
2: I'm like, I, I laughed so
1: hard oh. to removed Bill from the stream.
2: <laughs> I, like, I was like, wow, I really got booted for that comment. <laughs> you get the fuck out of here. Hey, don't,
1: don't, get <laughs> your, don't get your turquoise in a bunch, Ron. It's, it's all
0: good. <laughs> uh, Green chili and turquoise okay? and meth. Lots of meth. So much fucking meth. Yeah, thank That's you. Thank it, you, bro. Breaking Bad. I do want to say that I love Nightwing uh, as well. But I mostly love Nightwing, um, because of what we talked about earlier, that he, uh, is sort of not, he's not rich. He's a, he, on top of that, he's a Carney. Yeah. And as a white trash person, I really appreciate Carnies. You know, like that's, that I don't think I'm supposed to call him Carnies anymore. Uh, I believe that's uh, sex workers. No, wait. No, that's not it.
1: Oh. <laughs> just imagine a bunch of sex workers putting together a bunch of shoddy machinery that people are going <laughs> to <laughs> fall off. So just, it's naked booty chicks screwing screwing in the Ferris wheel and just rolls into the forest. <laughs> uh, oh, hell, I done fucked up again. They're going to find me
2: for sure. Uh, I You know what? I love the concept, though, of Nightwing is a true white trash superhero. Like, that's, yeah. that's kind of amazing. <laughs> In multiple runs of comics. Oh, yeah. Uh,
1: do, 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 do redneck Nightwing.
0: No, man. I just, you know, look, look, I like to stand on, on these, uh, on these gargoyles next to Batman. Makes him feel like he's very uh, dark and interesting. My parents also died. Okay. You think you're better than me? Because your parents died? You saw them die in front of you? Well, I was older, so it hurt me more. You were like a baby. Who gives a shit?
2: <laughs> Nightwing, Nightwing just leaning into you think you're better than me. <laughs> <what makes> me. <laughs> Nightwing's fighting blockbuster. You ain't better than me. You ain't shit. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Like Nightwing's whole existence is the first like three minutes of the of the Michael Jackson Bad video. Oh, you ain't bad. You ain't nothing. I trade with Batman, you motherfucker. <laughs> Dude, it'd be funny if he just brings it up every time he's beating the shit out of somebody some alley. I trade with Batman, motherfucker. Oh, don't you? You can fuck with me, man. <laughs> He's just so mad. He says, <laughs> that shit, on his shoulder.
0: Look at here. Now, you ever fucked an alien? I don't think you have. And no, I did not get probed.
1: <laughs> hey, by, by the by, you got a pretty mouth. Um, <laughs> he's talking to Batman and Batman. Uh, that's the first time Batman covers up his mouth. <laughs> All right, I'm going to do the whole mouth cover thing now again. <laughs> Have you said shit like that to me while we're on patrol, Dick?
2: He's, <laughs> now I'm just picturing him giving lip to Commissioner Gordon. you old piece of shit. <laughs> you, you think
1: you're better than me cause you make your own money. You don't live off your old man.
2: Fuck you, man. <laughs> it's kind of an amazing scene. Like the first time Commissioner Gordon meets Batman, and he's like, Batman, this is just a child. It's like, hey, fuck you, man, I'm thirteen. You're a child. <laughs> You're, you're, I got pubes,
1: motherfucker. You want to see my pubes? <laughs> hey, how about I talk to your sweet little daughter there? We'll see who's on the 13. <laughs> it's
2: pretty hot. I like redheads. <laughs> I got- your wrinkly mustache mouth, you bitch. <laughs> just, just Jim Gordon
0: waking
1: up, and
0: he's like, what's on my face? And there's pubes on him. <laughs>
1: Wow, I got your fucking funny. ass a gorilla mask when you were asleep, motherfucker. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> and it's just Nightwing's like, Robin's just standing above him on the little bedpost, like, See, I told you, I'm <laughs> a man. And then he just <laughs> disappeared.
2: Robin is just one of Ricky Bobby's kids. <laughs> 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 going, I'm going to come at you like a spider monkey. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my
1: God. I'll be like the exorcist on your ass. Okay. Uh, so, so basically, Oh, God, Hillbilly Dick Grayson is the funniest thing in the world. <laughs> it's, it's transcended somehow from Hillbilly Dick Grayson to just, like, evil country Dick Grayson. <laughs> he's just a bad see, he's like He just, I, just hates those city folk. Dude, it's like, it's like a fucking Batman's looking through his journals. I always wanted to meet the great Batman. It is perhaps time for me to cut the ropes on my parents and organize a way for me to meet the great Batman. My parents (laughs) are assholes anyway. Don't let me eat crackers in bed or nothing, man. Fuck them. And it's like Batman finds that after he's been mentoring this kid (laughs) for years. It's like, Dick, did you kill your parents to beat me? Oh, man, that's water under the bridge, man. Let's go ahead. Let's go ahead up to the JLA. They got that sherbet I like in the fucking replicator machine. You know, it's
2: just like (laughs) ruined the whole partnership. Oh, this is a great. This is like Earth forty-seven right here. <laughs> Earth forty-seven, hillbilly no, Robin. No, no,
0: right no, man, Robin. This is Earth
1: sixty-nine.
0: <laughs> nice. <laughs>
1: nice. <laughs> <laughs> okay. On that world is N I T E
2: Wing. Not Wayne. Don't be a Wayne. I'm not Wang. What's I'm your name? Wang. Not Wang.
0: You you're you're saying your name is Night Wang? No, I said Night Wang. Oh my god. <laughs> you know, like on a plane, it has a wang. You know what I mean?
2: Oh god. Like the bat wang. You know the bat wang. Dick, did did, yeah. did Batman use the bat wang on you? <laughs> no man.
1: <laughs> what man? How can I explain it? Okay, when you go to Buffalo Wangs. What do you eat, <laughs> Wangs? <laughs> you mean you go to Big Big Wangs? Man, I'm about to beat your ass. <laughs> you, you one obtuse motherfucker, man. He sent me to private school. I know words like that.
2: <laughs> <Lock, yeah.
1: laughs>
2: I mean, by the way, for our LA listeners, apropos of nothing, R.I.P. Big Wangs. That was a loss. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. That's that is that is uh, that that was local, huh? Big Wangs never, yeah, oh, never yeah, traversed. That's not
2: a sports bar. Ultra local. Oh, son it was of a bitch. Shit, I got real fucked up on edibles at Big Wangs one time and it was a night. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> he started some shit with Night Wang and he put you in your place, brother. I'll tell you what. Oh.
2: Anyway, uh, go on. Go
1: on. Okay. Okay. <sighs> that's gonna go in the arch <laughs> that's gonna go in the archives. Um uh as we round out here, I would like to do the headliners of the Marvel Universe to me. Mm. And yes. We're going to talk about my boyfriends. We're going to do it. Yes. And we're going to talk about why they are street level. Although I would say neither one of them are superheroes. You know what I mean? Because like my boyfriend's daredevil and the punisher (laughs) are, are vigilantes. I would firmly say that, but superheroes are symbols to people. And I would like to say that the only reason why either of them would ever be considered as superheroes is their symbology to the people that are around them now Punisher is almost like if candy if you occasionally saw Candyman but you knew he only killed bad people you'd be scared as fuck but you'd be like hey hey, hey, man the motherfuckers over there they'd be, they be wilding you know I'm gonna go to school so I could better myself that's good and then you just get on the bus and, you just, and then you know he'd come back home and half the block is burned down <laughs> because some crackheads ran the you know the Nino Brown building is just crumbled or whatever I don't know, a, man.
0: You walk a block and a half to cross at a crosswalk just in case.
1: Yeah. I don't want to get in a cardinal crossfire, man. <laughs> <All right. laughs> uh, so I just think and, – and just my very – I know you guys have heard this, but my quick treaties on why Daredevil and the Punisher are both valuable is that they, deal, that they can deal with real-life problems without fucking up the brand. Mm-hmm. Spider-Man busts into a room and sees it's like a sex dungeon. It takes you out of the Spider-Man world, it and doesn't. it's a place he doesn't need to be. I think we called it the Ken doll effect, where it's like when you take a when you take a doll's pants on there, pants off. They supposed to be nothing there. Yeah, don't even think about that. <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. In Spider-Man's world, don't think about slavers and, and rapers and fucked up people. Let the real people of the world deal with that. The cops and the, and the people on the ground level, and obviously, um, in in this world, superheroes who can. Probably do a lot better for all of those things than the cops, you know, uh, given their proactive nature and their uh, they actually want to solve the crimes instead of uh, collecting pensions. Anyway, um, I Look, think I that Daredevil, if,
0: if in the if if in the DC world there is any slavery, uh, any uh 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 like you know selling of people, uh, and Superman hasn't stopped that, mm, there's there's a problem. There's a problem. Yeah.
1: Yeah, but but, but uh, we've talked about it, though. Him, him like, solving world hunger, it's like, okay, well, why wouldn't you do that all day, every day? It, like, breaks the reality of the world. It's not, when you fun. Introduce, it's not a
0: fun story. Really.
1: Right. When you, when you introduce too much real-world shit to superheroes, and that's why I think I saved these street-level heroes for last. Because they do work. what they do helps the streets more yeah, than almost is, anybody we've talked about.
2: This is almost the healthy version of adolescent power fantasy. You know what I mean like you just have these certain characters that work best when you put them in well what if the shit that I had to deal with or this person had to de- anybody had to deal with growing up what if there was somebody who could actually step in and just beat the shit out of whoever was doing it you know what I mean mm-hmm. like that's mm-hmm. that is i think a useful element of the whole superhero genre, but I think it needs to be deployed in the right way, and I would agree with you that I think Punisher and Daredevil are the right characters in the right milieu to to examine that.
0: When Daredevil beats the shit out of somebody or the Punisher kills somebody or beats the shit out of them, you know that those people are downright evil. Bad people who have mm. done the crime 100%, there's no doubt There's no none of that stuff, and they're taking out real bad guys that are obvious bad guys. And I think that that's like a very important thing here. Like, there's no the uh, when the when Daredevil shows up and beats someone's ass, it's not because he thought that maybe they did something wrong. Uh, He has figured that out. He has heard it. He knows who it is. They know what he knows what the heartbeat sounds like of this person. He knows what the blood flowing in their veins sounds like. And he knows that he's got the right person who did the right bad thing. And it's the same thing with the Punisher. That's part of the the
2: The
1: fantasy.
0: The fantasy yeah. of the story. Yeah. And I think that's an important part of the
2: story, by the way. Well, the stories do the work of of giving you characters who don't just swoop down out of context on a mugging happening and kill that guy. Yeah. Because that you know what I mean? Like that's mm. not cool. That's not cool. <laughs> it's like it, it, Yeah. I, it, it, <laughs> I don't
1: know, it's pretty cool, man. I'm over here from Gotham City and I like to <laughs> I like to kill me a bugger every now and again. I'll throw them in goddamn, get right. in goddamn right. garbage can. <laughs>
2: I'm Buffalo Bill. Hey, man. Somebody's vandalizing the Walmart. <laughs> fucking
1: shoot them. Hey, man. you going to abuse the self checkout. Talk about you bought 87 oranges. <laughs> you know your ass and buy no 87 oranges. Look at your cart.
2: you got a flat screen TV in there, motherfucker. <laughs> Nightwing. <laughs>
1: Dude, oh. I'm going to make a
2: costume for
0: Nightwing. Oh. That is going to be my new goal. It's going to have a capable.
2: needs to take off. Yeah, I'm doing it. That said, I, the, the broader point is essentially, yes, like, I don't think ever – even in shitty stories, I don't think Daredevil or the Punisher have ever been portrayed as indulging in the right-wing sort of fascist fantasy where it's like, oh, these kids are spraying graffiti on the wall of my local grocery store. Let's put them in traction, those little bitches. You know what I mean? It's not the story.
1: (laughs) Well, I'm glad you said that because I think both Daredevil and Punisher, obviously Punisher more so – could be castigated by modern neoliberal minds as these right-wing ideologues of physical force and the vigilantism that we're trying to get out of law enforcement being tacitly endorsed Mm -hmm. by us, like the right-wing Overton window creep, you know what I'm saying, towards towards right-wing ideals with each of these characters. And I think it's very, I'm glad that you guys are keying in on the best Punisher stories don't do no type of shit like that. Punisher showing up as some madman in the 616, Punisher is a madman that should have been put down long ago. In the Max universe, he's a necessary part of the ecosystem that mm-hmm. criminals need to fear because they don't fear the politicians they've bought, the cops they've bought, the you know, the they don't fear those people anymore. So somebody who cannot be bought, somebody who cannot be reasoned with. Somebody who has no secret identity to mortgage against him. Somebody who has no friends for you to threaten. This is necessary in that world. And that's why I'm so in love with that version of the Punisher. When I talk about my love of the Punisher, I'm not talking about a motherfucker with white gloves who gets his ass kicked in by Daredevil every fucking four pages. That is not who I am talking about. I'm talking about, you know, a dude who's like pushing fucking 60 taking out high value targets that could kill him getting captured getting beat to a pulp and still pressing forward he doesn't have ninja powers He can't hear anybody's pulse race when they're about to throw a punch he has to take the punch from somebody stronger and younger and probably a better fighter than him and keep going there's something heroic about that and the fact that we've let a bunch of cops steal that from us as a community Mm. pisses me the fuck off
2: Mm. Yeah, there I is actually almost, agree. In that conception of the Punisher, it's almost an anti-capitalist thing too. Because yes, if, if your ultimate thesis is essentially that, like once you get powerful enough in a real world sense, you can buy your way out of anything, whether that's through bribery, whether that's through just paying a fine, whether that's through you know what I mean, like that idea mm-hmm. that the rich are kind of exempt from the laws that the rest of us have to abide. The Punisher is sort of the one check on that going nope yep.
1: yeah i mean dude he he went he got onto a boat full of ceos that had raided raided a bunch of companies and stolen people's pensions he engineered a way for the funds to be transferred back to the families and then he killed them yep. by sinking their ship in shark infested waters and shooting the shit out of them till they were all bleeding and then they started getting eaten by sharks and he just watched them die <laughs> like Come on, man. If you can't root for that in the modern age, again, because some cops put a decal on their fucking phone or blah, blah, blah. blah, I don't understand where you, I don't, I don't get it. So, uh, but on the flip side of that, I respect the fuck out of Daredevil because. Just like Catholicism, another outdated belief system, he believes in the law. And he he definitely wants to preserve the ideals, the ideals of the Catholic Church, besides, you know, grift and all that other bullshit. The ideals of a greater force, more powerful than you, learning to commune with the saints, to try to be a saint in your own time. You know, really flagellate yourselves for your sins, and and you know, don't big up yourself for not sinning. There's a lot of great stuff about the Christian faith, Catholic faith, stuff like that. So he, like a lot of people, picks the good parts out. And with the law, he tries to use his daredevil identity, the devil himself, to make up for the failings in the legal system. Yeah, you know what I mean. When I just there's something beautiful about those that dyad of characters and their relationship to the law because Batman is above the law. I mean, I don't I don't think we can say it better than right. that. But, right. but if either the Punisher or the da- or Daredevil just stick around after the crime is over, they might get hassled. You mm. know what I mean?
2: Yeah, both get arrested, for sure. I also think it's a huge thing that Matt Murdock is a defense attorney and not a prosecutor. Because right. Because his whole thing is like, as a man, I'm going to help people within the bounds of the law, and as Daredevil, I'm going to help them when the law fails. He would have a totally different point of view if he was someone in his civilian identity, whose entire motivation is just to try to put criminals behind bars. Mm -hmm. That's not Mm -hmm. necessarily the guy that you would then want out on the streets in a costume (laughs) enforcing his (laughs) version of the law. But Daredevil is a defense attorney. So he ultimately believes in the presumption of innocence until proven guilty, in everybody's right to a fair trial, in checks and balances on the power of the state. Um, you know, standing up for underdogs, for underrepresented people, all this stuff, and I think that that ultimately redeems what could be a fascist setup, given other circumstances. So all the parts really work together well in the daredevil character to build something. You know, the forest is more beautiful than the trees in a way. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Sure, does he have a bat wing? I don't think he does. <laughs>
1: Dude, Please. Daredevil hey. with an extra special car to go fight crime man <laughs> would be so problematic.
2: Uh, <laughs> listen, I was going to say Daredevil slings Wang better than any other superhero. Yes, he does. Uh, yes, why he does. are you bullshit? Yeah,
1: you do, man. <laughs> yeah. He's, I mean, uh, no.
2: let's add that. Let's add that. He's got some street game on
0: top of his being a street level.
1: Oh, man. I mean, dude, him and Nightwing. I, oh, my God. Him and
0: Nightwing.
1: Dude, that's so interesting that they're. They're these cocksmen and they run around hitting people with two sticks, like yep. all the time. There's these there's these classic cocksmen running around the, the Marvel and DC universes respectively, and they fight people with dildos. It's a so li- that is I pretty mean, interesting.
2: A, that is kind of amazing. I was gonna say though, it's a little bit the Errol Flynn archetype, right? Like the yeah. swashbuckler archetype. You got to be laying some pipe, like that's just <laughs> you got to. Yeah, you know these guys. You know these guys eat pussy too. Don't don't fuck around. <laughs> oh,
1: oh yeah, all, no, all, all yeah, all night that- long. No, I mean, dude, I think, yeah, with Daredevil and Nightwing, I'm sorry if this is crass, but the lady comes a couple times before there probably is even penetration. You know what I mean? Uh, they, 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 They get taken care of so that, you know... They could do their luxurious tantric ninja sex. Like Bruce Wayne taught me this. <laughs> t- Bruce Wayne taught me the technique of blind running. I'm not. I, I, you know, I'm in my mil- memory palace reading a book while I'm
2: just pounding some cooch with like a <laughs> I Come Bob, I come back. <laughs> by the way, I think it's canon also that Bruce Wayne is full tantra never ejaculates. He, oh yeah, that no. is how under control he is.
1: Batman yeah, is on some semen retention. He would never ejaculate.
2: His balls are
0: so giant. They're just they haven't he has night emissions. That's his actually biggest problem.
2: That was that's He's, the only reason why Damien was able to be conceived is that he was fucked up on drugs, so he lost it. He lost yeah. the control. Oh uh, yeah.
1: Yeah, he lost control. But okay. <laughs> in closing, I think what one thing I, I, we found out about the street level heroes is. In order to be street level, your impact on the street needs to be more than your impact on the world. So even by, by that definition, I think even people like Batman skate, especially when you look at their own books and stuff. But it gets a little wonky around people like Captain America, who you hardly ever see him against the fucking Yancey Street gang or, or right. some shit like that. Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? So uh, I think that that's an interesting part. Also, um, street level means street level means a certain amount of vulnerability that people Definitely. like Deathstroke stroke have that people like frankly wolverine kind of don't have anymore and did when they first started wolverine was very much more of a street level hero when he first came out when he could take a sword through the body and take six months to heal rather than regenerate from a drop of blood on the head of a pin. yeah you know uh so there are people who have transcended street level or been pushed out of street level by a lot of stuff like i think May, Moon. I try to push Moon Knight out of street level in the show so that's well, I, interesting power creep.
2: I think Moon Knight's a good example too of something we haven't touched on too much but I think holds true street level also means your supporting cast are people who are on the same street yep. you know what I mean yeah. and, and to me I think that also is a point against Captain America whereas like the people he surrounds himself with are like big players it's not people from the neighborhood and yeah. I think that that is an important part of of making you street level. And when Moon Knight, yeah, when Moon Knight decided to make all the Egyptian gods supporting cast in the show, that yanks you out of a fucking street level. Not yeah. to, to say nothing of like the international arms dealers and this and that and the other thing.
0: You know? Yeah. So uh, before we get out of here, though, I do want to mention one character that we didn't mention in the Defenders, and that's Jessica Jones. She power wise could be. Hanging with pretty much everyone especially the latest one she can f- now fly
1: well let's 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 examine that real quick because i think what's interesting i'm, I'm going to compare her and i'm talking about mostly the tv series because again yeah she's not street level in the comics full stop no, she's flying no. around she's doing all this bullshit but in the tv show i would put her i would contrast her interestingly with somebody like lady shiva or cassandra kane now here it is you can't take advantage of cassandra kane after her first like 50 issues where she couldn't talk and she was kind of dependent on batman and barbara for all of her socialization she had no friends she had no way of even making friends she was just like a freak basically since that time she has become worldly enough to know how to speak but be a woman of few words blah blah and she's unbeatable physically and it seems like she's hard to manipulate mentally because she's so simple such a simple organism Lady Shiva has psychic defenses out the wazoo, not in a metaphysical sense, but just she's a single-minded assassin character who would frankly be way better if she wasn't a villain. Because they never really explore how dope she could be, because she's always getting beat up by Catwoman for no reason, or you know, or you know, getting a, you know, getting a tet- almost losing to people she would never lose to. All this to say, Jessica Jones in her series is like them in that the average person can't fuck with them, but. The person she's going up against can manipulate her and control her through his power set. So she experiences, I don't want to say some of the dangers of being a woman, even though she's a superhero. But that's what I'm going to say. You know, yeah. she, she her womanhood is not uh, Lady Shiva. Nobody's going to tell Lady Shiva to, to put her hand in a blender and she's going to do it. Lady, right. You know, fucking somebody could tell mm-hmm. Jessica Jones to do that. Uh, being the purple man and it's just it's interesting that she has so much power but you feel how vulnerable she is throughout the entirety of that in a way that i've never really seen with a with a with a female character before or since in the larger media i think that series was a jewel and and in high relief it might be the best of all of them including daredevil in my personal opinion just because i felt for the character all the way and she was fucking tortured it was a perfect street level thing in that i have I'm more powerful than the people on the street, but I'm still vulnerable and I still need yeah. my community. It hits almost all of our bench, benchmarks yeah. of what street level is,
2: yeah, that's interesting that we're only coming around to it now, but i you know I think that that maybe belies a bias that like street level heroes tend to be like these ultra violent tortured men, right you know you think of mm-hmm. Batman and sort of all of his imitators, and Jessica Jones is such a different take on what being a tortured superhero really means. Like it doesn't have to be rage filled quests for vengeance, you know, Um, that it's easy to overlook, but I think you're right, Ed, like it is a, it is such an imperfect encapsulation of everything we've been talking about. uh, I'm glad we didn't overlook it. (laughs)
1: Yeah, yeah, well, I, uh, thank Ron, because we were straight about to. I'm just like, yeah, Daredevil, the Punisher, my soliloquies, my precious guys, my precious, <laughs> my precious angsty cock cock laying guys.
2: Well, just- <laughs> Listen, then- our, our bias is
0: on display in that conversation. <laughs> I, I just got to point out um, uh, uh, Jessica Jones is also a cocksman.
1: <laughs> oh fuck yeah! She, she, yes. can,
0: she can get some. She likes to do it, so I, you know, I yep. support that 100. So I, I, I what I like most about these characters, I gotta say, is just how there's just a relatability to all of them. It's it's just mm-hmm. really nice to to read a, a a a comic book and a superhero story where you, while you may not be able to do all the same stuff they do, you can still feel like what it would be like. To help other people if you could do it. To give up everything. To struggle every day to get food. Because Jessica Jones still got to eat some fucking food. You know what I mean? Um So I like, I just love that these heroes, they all make us feel something. And, and there's so many different stories that you can tell when someone is street level that I think is just a little more relatable. Still enjoy all these big grand adventures. And and I'm gonna read those forever as well. But I really really dig a good just this we're we're helping out a group of people story. Well
1: said. At at heroism writ large, or in this case, writ small. Thank you guys for joining our Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash the greatest pod.
0: Uh, we do have a voices one where you will get to hear more of that Nightwing that I did. So. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh yeah, that was the that was the birth. That yeah, was the absolutely. birth of uh of Nightwing. We love for people to send us messages on our email, emailthegreatestpod at gmail.com. When you send us emails there, we will receive them, and sometimes if they're super dope enough, we'll read them on the air, like this one from (laughs) Matthew Robinson. He sends us this beautiful missive, and it goes like this. Ed Ron at Producer Bill, so glad to have the opportunity to enjoy the work that you three do. I've listened to and watched everything you've put out since the early days of Nerdgo. I think the new format is absolutely an improvement for the art that the three of you are making. It's much more open and allows you all to shine. Your guests are fine and stuff, but you don't need them at all. In fact, the episodes without guests are usually more enjoyable to this schlub. Thank you. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. The episode, The Greatest Lessons and Questions, was phenomenal. It was as good as anything you've ever made, and it was interesting to hear from all of you in a more personal and reflective way compared to your more methodical dissection-oriented approach, during which your personalities always shine through anyway. Another recent highlight for me was the episode on non-Marvel and DC superheroes. Hearing Bill and Ed, whose comic opinions have rarely let me down, call out Promethea as exceptional made my heart sing a little. It was surprising, as I would have assumed the subject matter wouldn't be in either of your wheelhouses, neither heady science fiction
2: nor gritty street level. See,
1: he's got us pegged. Matthew has us fucking
2: pegged. He's definitely a longtime listener. He knows his shit. Dude. But regardless,
1: I loved it, as Promethea is for me personally, in the running for one of the greatest comic books of all time. Full stop. Uh, Here's my one quibble, Bill. You've got to reread The Forever People. It contains some of the key concepts and philosophies of the entire fourth world tapestry. Yes, some parts don't age well. I'm looking at you, Viking. <laughs> but it also <laughs> showcases the most subversive and groundbreaking stuff in the whole saga. So yeah, Bill, you got to get on your forever people, man.
2: Sorry, right, dude. That was just that goes back to our fourth world <laughs> discussion. Like it was the one fourth world book that just never really caught my interest. But I will take that to heart and uh, put it on the reading list.
1: Uh, that's the thing about people who listen to us talk about stuff. The omission of anything catches people. And it's like, sometimes <laughs> you got to be like, ah, fuck. I'm sorry. I didn't read that. Um, but okay. Oh, and here, here's the, uh, denouement for the message. Last things last. I love that. Uh, <laughs> last things last. Count me for one future purchase of any comic you guys are getting ready to send to press. I'll even try one by Ron.
2: <laughs> Hello.
1: <laughs> I love, look on that letter i love that dude ron is the frank miller of our group and you're gonna see Mm. um uh hope hope you all have a wonderful day thanks for taking the time to read through these ramblings keep up the great work and then work is crossed out and art is put in place my fucking heart guys seriously Uh, and he signs it matt robinson and says p.s if you have a p.o box if you have a p.o box please let me know i'd like to send over some comics related items for you all if you don't get one and let me know."
2: Mm. Yeah, that's, so that's, nice not bad, that's not a bad. That's uh, not a bad suggestion is to just get a P.O. box going for, you know, if anybody wants to send us like comics to check out or review, you know, try to get mm-hmm. some free publicity, whatever, like that'd be kind yeah. of a cool thing.
1: Dude, I I'll would love it. that. I would love that with that with us. So, so we could be like uh, down like uh, like the kayfabe guys. They get so much stuff sent to them. And none of them have been a razor bomb yet. You know, (laughs) they they get a lot of cool comics and stuff. If you guys have stuff like that, yeah, that you want to show us. Yeah, look into that, Ron. Uh, we'll, We'll definitely do that. And we'll put it on air when we get one. I love the fact that you guys are listening to us for such a long time and getting into our personalities. One of the things that I wanted to accomplish with this new version of the pod is that we're the show, God damn it! <laughs> we, <laughs> <laughs> we, our opinions and stuff, and in our interplay is the juice. Yep. And I wanted that to kind of be the juice for once. And yes, we're still going to have guests when we can get big ones and stuff. But like when we don't, hey, one pony don't stop no show. You think what I mean, I'm saying? You know
0: what I always say? Uh, no, no, you, you gotta, you gotta have three ponies because three ponies are better <laughs> than you know. Hey, <laughs> <you know, laughs> <I mean, stop. laughs> ah, that Goddamn, sunset! He can't stop it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, so, uh, <laughs> so, with that, we bid you a fond adieu. If you have any other street level uh, heroes, hit us up in the comments. Please give this uh, give this pod a five star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever. And please get on Reddit forums and 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 start conversations about the things that we say here. Every little bit helps. Thank you guys for joining our family here. Our bat family here mm. at The
2: Greatest pie.